welcome to a new podcast where we're breaking through and breaking it down with a new girl, your host, Dawn Piercy. You can hear me? Yep. Welcome to Mariano Big Dog's Corner here on a new podcast. My name is Dawn Piercy and I'm your host tonight and co-host... Mariano Big Dog. Yes. And we have brought you Art Davey. He is the creator and co-founder of the UFC. And he is in the hall. He's a Hall of Fame inductee for the MMA. And he's just been and he goes, I believe, July 5th in Las Vegas, the ceremony to be inducted in the UFC Hall of Fame. Congratulations, Art. And welcome Congratulations, to Big Dog's Art. Corner. Um, I, uh, I, I know that in, uh, you have a very extensive career. I, I want to focus, tell us about the book that you wrote, uh, the insight, is this legal? The inside story of the first UFC and the man who created it. Can you tell us about that book and, and what we could find in that? I, you know, I, um, on June 13th, 1964, I got beat by a wrestler. I was taking boxing lessons, and I wound up uh, sparring on the beach with a friend of a friend who was a state champion in wrestling. And I got taken down by the, this wrestler, and it made a big impression on me. I never forgot it. Now, if you fast forward a few years, I'm in the Marines, and uh, two of my friends went on an R&R to Bangkok. And when they came back, they told me they had seen in a Bangkok nightclub a match between an Indian wrestler and a Muay Thai fighter. Mm -hmm. So the big, the big discussion for all of us GIs was, you know, could Bruce Lee have beaten Muhammad Ali? So that's really for how, how it started for me. That's really how it started for me. And years later, in the advertising business... I was asked to come up with some fresh new ideas for promotion mm -hmm. for a particular client. And I had done a lot of research based upon my thinking about some sort of a way to monetize the martial arts. Uh -huh. Remember, back in the day, Dawn, back in the day, if you were any good at the martial arts, you went into TV or the movies. Right. So boxing was big. Professional wrestling was big. But nobody was making a lot of money with the martial arts. And if you owned a school, you didn't challenge anybody on the other side of town because if you lost in a public bout, it would cost you students. Right. So my idea was to come up with a, a plan that would calling it World's Best Fighter to start. Later, we changed that name to War of the Worlds, and that became the company name. But I wound up with a lot of research on what had been done in the past and what was possible, and what the laws were. I found out that Colorado was the only state that would have allowed me to do bare-knuckle fighting. They had a loophole in the law. Okay. So, so that was, that was a, a real crucial element. Now, at one point, Don, I wound up taking an advertising job in Torrance, California. Now, I had read about the Gracies in a magazine article. They were in Torrance. It turns out that I was three blocks away from them. Three blocks. Nice. So I walked over there and left. 
I walked over there and left my card. And it was a while before I ever heard back from Horion. And I came in, we talked, we rolled. And I was impressed. And I had decided that if I was going to move this idea forward, I needed martial artists who would say yes to this. Because as I said, if you were running a local school, you didn't have a, 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 a history of challenging another martial artist. It would cost you students. So it took me a year and a half to talk Horian into it. And I did it by volunteering to do his advertising at no cost. I said, just pay for the printing and the postage. That ad campaign for his videos brought in $150,000 wow. in six weeks. That is amazing. Now I had his attention. Right. Now I had his attention. Now what was interesting is the night I'm taking private lessons, that same night, the guy who has a class after me is film director and screenwriter John Milius. Now, Milius had made a star out of Arnold Schwarzenegger in Conan the Barbarian. A lot of the oh, great cool. lines that you hear in the film Jaws, that's John Milius. Oh, wow. He was nominated for Apocalypse Now. So, John became a friend, uh, and at some point, I decided to propose to these two guys that we would do some sort of a tournament. Now, at this point, we're doing Horion's advertising. I had his confidence. Mm -hmm. I was making him money. Uh, we're going to raise money from investors. Uh huh. Okay, I think we're having some technical difficulties. I said it'll look like. Yeah, it's breaking up. Hey, Dawn? Okay, what? Okay, there you are. Okay, we're it's it's smooth now. Hey, Dawn, you know you know what I'm wondering? I'm wondering because I think Mariano accepted my Skype request. Uh -huh. I'm wondering if I could call and plug him in, and it would work better from my end. I don't know. What do you think? Because I, because uh, Mariano is, is is coming in and out. Okay. His well, he's he's up. frozen on my end. Yeah. Yeah, but I can hear him when he talks. Oh, you can. <laughs> yeah, I can hear you. Uh, I can see you guys. Can you hear me? I can hear yes. you, and I see your picture, but you're just not moving. Oh, right. <laughs> well, it's. <laughs> Okay, we can keep on going. That's fine. You sure you don't want me to try call the YouTube guys? We can if you want. I mean, we're live right now. Okay, oh. well, let's continue. Okay. Let's continue. So I uh, convinced Horion that I would be the booker and the matchmaker. I said, you're going to put one of your brothers in, right? Mm -hmm. I said, are you going to be the manager? He said, no. He said, I'll have some, a student here in the school will be listed as manager. And that's what happened. Now, also at the school at the time, he was a fellow blue belt, okay. was John McCarthy. So that's when I met John back in the day. He was still an LAPD police officer. So I proceeded to write a 65-page business plan, and we presented it to 65 family and friends. 27 people came up with the money. They wrote us the checks. So now we had the company funded. I went to Colorado. I set up a limited liability company. Um, 
I began to call on TV companies, HBO, Showtime, mm -hmm. ESPN, and I got turned down everywhere. But I was, I had one thing going for me, but plus this big idea. Uh -huh. I was a very persistent salesman. I had a big idea and I was convinced that this was going to be a big deal. Wow. And here's when I did research, I, I found out for a thousand years, the number one sport in the ancient Greek Okay, you froze again. We're out again? Well, no, we're back on. Martial arts. Uh, okay. You were talking the ancient Greek Olympian, Olympian, uh, Olympics. <laughs> it was there for a thousand years, Don, and it was the biggest thing in the Olympics. It was, it was MMA. Mm -hmm. Holes, throws, chokes, kicking and punching, no biting and eye gouging. And that became the rules for the first UFCs. So I began to send out emails all over the world. There was really no internet in those days. Uh -huh. So I send out re requests for fighters from Korea, Thailand, Japan, Europe, Holland, South America. And uh, I began to uh, place ads in the martial arts magazines okay. asking for fighters. And most of the people I called said the same thing to me. Oh, come on. This is crazy. Nobody's ever done this. Nobody's ever going to do it. It's not legal. You know, in fact, the, 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 the name of the book, Is This Legal? Yep. It, it came from Chuck Norris. It came from Chuck Norris. We went over to Chuck's house and we wanted Chuck to be by the octagon. We weren't sure we were going to build a cage at the time, but we were thinking of it. And everything we brought up to him, he stopped us and said, is this legal? <laughs> I love it. Is this legal? <laughs> he, he, he was afraid that the sheriff was going to show up with the National Guard. So he, awesome. he didn't come. Yeah, when it first yeah, started, I watched later, it. Years later. Find TMZ for me. Wrong. I can hear you. Can you hear me? Frozen, can you hear me? I can hear okay. you. I, I thought Mariana yeah. was saying something. But... Um. I can hear you guys. Okay. Good. Okay. 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 All right. Okay. So uh, I, I began to reach out to fighters. A lot of them said the same thing. They said, is this a, a movie? I said, no, it's a real, real fight. A shoot. And I would have to explain to them in fight promotion terms, what is a, a, a shoot? Right. And what is a war? So most of them thought it was a movie, and they said, my guy doing kata in front of a camera. I said, this isn't about kata. This isn't about sparring. This is a no-holes-barred event. It's a real... And not everybody knew the term pancreation. Every time I used that term, people looked at me like, what? Pank what? They'd never heard of it. But I had done my homework and found out that most of the time that people tried to do a mixed-match bout, it flopped. And I'll tell you why. There was always the same two reasons. Number one, the money. How much do I get? How much do you get? I'm better known than you are. I should get 70%. You should only get 30 <laughs> And the second thing they argue about that killed it was, can I wear gloves? Can I put Vaseline? Can I wear a gi? 
Can we go to the mat? That would kill it. And you think about bouts like uh, Muhammad Ali versus Antonio Inoki mm -hmm. in 1976 in Japan, promoted in America by Vince McMahon Sr., Vince's father, and it was a big flop. They were still negotiating the rules the day before the bout. And when it ended up, Inoki could only throw a kick from, from the mat on his back. Ali only threw eight punches in the whole thing. It was a flop. So I knew that the only way this would work, this was my big idea, had to be a tournament that will recruit eight fighters from different disciplines, from A to Z, Aikido, Taekwondo, Draka, Savat, Sambo, Jiu-Jitsu, Judo, Taekwondo, Hapkido. I said, I don't care where they are. I don't care who wins. Horian said, my brother's going to win. I said, great. I said, are you putting Hickson in? Oh, he says, Arturo, wait on that. I'll let you know. Now, by May of 1993, I had already flown to Denver, and I had already signed who was the local hero in martial arts in Denver. He had won the Sabaki Challenge two years in a row, a bare-knuckle karate tournament. I didn't sign Hoyce up until July, because I finally said to Horian, are you going to give me Hickson? And it turned out that he was not going to go with Hickson. Hickson was going to train Hoist, and he wanted Hoist because Hoist was the baby of the family. He said he looks like a little altar boy in his white gi. It was the Bruce Lee appeal. <laughs> he's skinny. He's young. He was like 27, and he was really like an 18-year-old kid. He didn't have a driver's license. He didn't own a car. Never bank. He lived in a little apartment above Horion's garage. He was he was the babysitter. So I began to reach out to uh, to martial arts groups all over the country, all over the world. I was able to get a great Thai fighter from Holland, from Johan Plasse's Maguro gym in Amsterdam. But I had a, I also had a crazy idea in my head, Don. I wanted a heavyweight boxer and I wanted a sumo wrestler. And the people in the world, why not? Why not? And I'll tell you the reason I did it. It was so simple. I always put myself, because of my advertising background, I would put myself in the shoes of the fan. I would say, what does the fan want to see? If I don't put the martial, all the martial, they're protecting certain guys. They're not bringing in someone from that, that great martial art. Well, they're not bringing someone in from this country. Uh -huh. So I wanted a sumo wrestler. And it was very tough to get a sumo guy out of Japan. But I got lucky. I found a booker who was sending over big Hawaiians and Samoans from Hawaii to Japan. And he had a guy who was up in the Makoshita class, Taylor Wiley, who's now a TV star on Hawaii Five-0 playing okay. the, uh, the food truck for Kamakona. And he had never been to the, the 48 states. He had never seen snow. And he, his manager, really negotiated a tough deal. There were two fighters in the first UFC that got an appearance. Number one was the sumo wrestler. I paid him $6,000. Now, that was on top of whatever he would have won the tournament. And the tournament had a $50,000 first prize. Then my other big problem was getting a cruiserweight or a heavyweight pro buy. I got a hold of Emmanuel Stewart at the Cronk Gym in Detroit. And he said to me, he said, you're trying to get a heavyweight boxer to fight one of these guys in karate pajamas? He said, that's crazy. <laughs> he said, that's not going to happen. I said, well, that's what I want. That's too funny. Leon said, 
Sam Solomon. But I, I wasn't able to get up with Ernest Hart Jr., a retired kickboxing champion out of St. Louis, and he knew everybody in St. Louis involved in boxing. He got me in touch with James Bonecrusher Smith, Leon Tabs, and he got me in touch with Art Jimerson, who at that time was ranked uh, very high in the cruiserweight heavyweight rankings by the IBF, and he was due to fight Tommy Hitman Hearns in six weeks after our first UFC in November of 93. Mm-hmm. So, wow. by a crook, I was able to get kickboxers, to get a sumo wrestler and a boxer, and then I get a call from a young guy in in um, in um, Lodi, California, whose name is Scott Bissack, and he was training at a place called the Lions Den. Uh, and I began asking questions, and I'm looking on line. My trainer is Ken Wayne. Can you hear me? I can hear you, Don, but I think. Oh, he's back. Okay, good. Ken. I think. Seven of the five, 1993. Our pay-per-view partner became Semaphore Entertainment. I had been turned down by HBO. I had been turned down by Showtime. I had been turned down by ESP. I was doing concerts and comedy on pay-per-view, and they needed a franchise. I have been looking at I don't think that's a politically correct term, midgets. So when I came to them with the idea, they were excited. They said, wow. And they sent me a ticket right away. I flew to New York. And we began to work on a deal for us to develop it jointly. Wow Promotions, the company that Horian and I established in Colorado, and Semaphore Entertainment, a New York corporation. We signed a joint development deal to own it 50-50. We put up the money for the purse. They were going to put up all the money for production mm-hmm. and, and all the TV production. So that's how it started. Nice. Very nice. I know when it first started, I used to watch it, um, and love Friday Night Fights. That was in the 90s, too. So yes. um, I started tuning in to the UFC, and um, so I'm, I'm so excited to have you on Big Dog's Corner. This is awesome. Now, tell us about Zarm. This is uh, a new hybrid sport, okay? Can you tell us about that? I know that you you that was something that you created a whole new sport in 2008. Wow. Well, that was the, the funny story on that was is that I had been retired from the UFC, and the year before I had raised some capital from Lee Iacocca to see if we could start a new UFC. Okay. And uh, before that, I was at Mandalay Entertainment, Peter Guber's company, and I was actually pitching a reality show at the same time that Lorenzo Fertitta was pitched. <laughs> it was only a plan. I think it's maybe starting up something in 2008, and then the recession hit, and it became tough, given the fact that New York wouldn't allow MMA until 2005 for California to approve it. So I wasn't able to raise $25, 30000000 million in 2008. 
But I get a phone call from a production company in Seattle, mm -hmm. and they had come up with a crazy idea about combining arm wrestling with MMA. And they wanted, they wanted to know if it could be done. And they were told that if you want to make it a spectacle, they had people wanted to introduce them to Hulk Hogan. But they said, if you want to make it a sport, we'll introduce you to Art Davey. So they came down and we made, you know, they hired me to develop. I ran workshops. I brought in arm wrestlers, boxers, MMA fighters, and we tested it. We actually had money to develop a game from Endemol in Europe. We had money from Bright TV to do a wow. mini reality series. We had we had a half a million dollars from Machinima to do a mini series on on their on their network. We tested it, and it quite frankly didn't test out as well as we would have hoped. Okay. So we pulled the plug in 2012. But I uh, I brought it together a lot of good people. Uh, Gary Goodrich came down to help me. Big Daddy. Uh, Andrew uh, Rose, who was a great promoter, and he provided me with a lot of young MMA talent. Mm -hmm. So it was an interesting experiment. But you know, sometimes you shoot, sometimes you shoot at a target and you don't hit what you look, you know, you're shooting at. That's what happened. Okay. Okay. Now. It is long overdue, okay? You are just now getting your UFC Hall of Fame induction in July at the ceremony in Las Vegas. I have to say it's very long overdue. And um, aside from that, I also want to thank you for serving. Well, thank you. Thank you. Hoorah! Simplify! <laughs> Simplify, bro. Simplify, big dog. Yeah, I think that it's... Uh, 25 years, I think that the UFC now under uh, Endeavor's ownership, they're looking back to the past, and I think that they want to be able to help the fans understand what the history was, not only to the UFC, but again, going all the way back to Pancration, right. that there's a long history for this type of uh, sport. So it was really a thrill for me a couple of weeks ago to get a phone call from Ant Evans, who's in charge of the Hall of Fame and Fight Pass, mm -hmm. and I've known Ant for a couple of years. And he called me up and said, I got great news. He said, you're being inducted into the contributor wing for the UFC Hall of Fame July 5th. So I've been very excited. It's been a real thrill. I've been over there several times. And they've really treated me like family. Mm -hmm. It's been very nice. Good, good. Mariano, do you have any questions for Art? Oh, man, do I have any questions? We're, we're going to have to put another, another, another show just for questions. <laughs> I I I met you in person. Um, can you hear me? I can hear you. Okay. Can you hear me, Art? Oh, it looked like Art froze up. Did he freeze up again? Wait a minute. Yes. No, freeze in a second. He has to. He's back. He's back, just like magic. Yes. <laughs> Art. I I was um. I fought uh, for the WBC Federico Lapanda. You you worked with him. Um, was he involved with part of the UFC Federico? No. Oh, Federico had to do with the UFC, but Federico and I uh, have a long and good relationship. Federico 
early on began to copy the UFC. He never did a show in America, but he did a show in, in the Caribbean. He did a show in Europe, Israel, and even Japan with uh, a franchise that he called the WVC. Right. And uh, he hired a lot. Of, he hired a lot of my stars, including Oleg Taktarov and uh, uh, Marco Huas. So Federico and I had an interesting relationship. Federico, at that time, Big Dog was a manager, and uh, he was a promoter early on. But he began to hire my guys and put them in his shows. Mm -hmm. Wow! Entertainment. We wound up opening up an office mm -hmm. in Mandalay Entertainment in 2003. That was due to Federico Lapenda. Okay. And you also worked with uh, um, uh, Kaja, right? Kaja, uh, Cage Combat. He said he, he invented the octagon. Is that right? I never worked with Kaja. Never met him. Oh. Oh. Oh, you never went. Oh. Never met him. One time, one time I had a fighter, I believe, who he knew, uh, who was uh, John Matua, a, a practitioner of the Hawaiian martial art of Lima Lama. But, but I never met Kaja, ever. Ever. Because his claim was that he, he invented the octagon. That was his thing. And he, and he went through lawsuits with the UFC. That's what I was told. And what I heard, it didn't go anywhere. He had no claim I've never met him. Uh, you know, I'll tell you what I heard that he was doing back in the early 90s. He was doing a wrestling show down in, uh, in somewhere in Southern California. But, yeah, but uh, I never met Kaja. Oh. Yeah, I never met Kaja. And I think what he had was some sort of a, you know, some sort of a four-sided wrestling cage like the WWE has. But I never met him. I don't know him. Never did any work with him. Okay, okay. Yeah, I just, I just, it, there was some things going on about him. Uh, creating the octagon and lawsuits, and he's the guy that invented the octagon. That was the whole thing. No, I'm having Mariano. I'm having dinner on um, May uh, May 13th, Sunday, with Jason Cusson. He's the creator of the octagon. He's the designer that created the octagon. If you go to my website, is this legal? Wow. Com, you'll see that there were four or five separate designs that he came up with before we finally picked the octagon. And how the octagon was created was, Horian and I wrote a memo in which we said no boxing ring. Mm -hmm. Horian had seen that in Brazil and it didn't work. Because if you got to the bottom, you'd roll out, it would stop the action. I wanted a 30-foot enclosure. Boxing rings were between 20 to 24 feet. I wanted a 30-foot enclosure, kind of like the, the mats that were used in Wushu in China. Mm -hmm. And I wanted a two-inch foam rubber pad underneath the canvas. And we did that for the first UFC, but the strikers complained. They said it was like walking and running in mud. So for the second UFC, I cut it down to an inch and a quarter, and that's where it stays to this day. But it was Jason Cusson, C-U-S-S-O-N, who designed the octagon. And he was hired by Semaphore. He was a movie set designer. And the true story was, is that the first one we built, at the end of the first show, Michael Pilot, our producer, was going to throw it away because it was a set, like a movie set in his mind. But I had rented a storage facility in Denver, and I said to him, I got a storage facility. I gave him the keys. Mm -hmm. I said, lock it up because we're going to need it when we come back. And that's what happened. Cool. Yep. <laughs> right on. Uh, for, for our guests... Um, 
where can they follow you uh, to keep up with what you got going on? And also, too, the, the new book that you're writing, um, it has to do with Greek mythology, if I'm correct. Yes. I remember you posted about that. It has to do with the history of the fighting and... and well, Dawn, wow. it's actually a novel, and I mentioned the fighter in my book, Is This Legal? It's about Polydamus. Yes. Back in 48 BC, he was a giant. The statue of him, which existed for many years in the British Museum, said that he was about seven feet tall and probably weighed about 320 pounds. Wow. He might have been wow. the longest man in East Greece. And he won in 408 BC, and then he lost in 404 BC. A few years later, after he retired, he was hiking with some friends and there was an earthquake and they took refuge in a cave. And as the cave started to collapse, he stood up like Atlas and tried to support the roof of the cave. Mm -hmm. His friends ran left. He tried to hold up the roof and he was crushed. So I've been writing a novel about him based upon what I was able to discover about his life. So I've been working with professors who could tell me what the clothing was like, mm -hmm. the culture, the food, the housing, and what Pancration was like, what was training like <laughs> back 25 years ago. Right. I'm about halfway done, and my agent is very excited because they think it'll be a good movie. Absolutely. I'd watch it because I love ancient Greek, and I love mythology. And when I seen you posted that, I was like, ooh, you know, and because I didn't know about that. And um you know, you, you always watch the movies, but they don't tell you the history of it. They just show the gladiators hacking each other, and that's just about it. <laughs> right. <laughs> well, he, had, he, he, he was convinced by his mother that he was a son of Zeus, that Zeus had really secretly fathered uh, his oh. birth, and that he was like Hercules. So after he became the winner of immigration, a lot of politicians in Athens were starting to support him and fund him, because they eventually wanted him to be a political candidate. Right. And they encouraged him to do stunts, stunts that, that Hercules had done. So at one point on the, um. the, the hills of Mount Olympus, he fought a lion with a club and killed it mm -hmm. for oh. real. And then he went, he was invited by the Persian emperor to Persia. And there at the big feast, in the world. They're called the Immortals. As they're talking there at dinner, it was proposed that he would compete. Once. More famous at the time. People were thinking he was the incarnation. Mm -hmm. So that's what my novel is about. It's called Demigod. Okay. Demigod. Very very interesting i know that when you go back in mythology there's always so much truth behind it when you dig deep enough so yes it, it gets more interesting and more interesting as you go on because you're like oh well these people you know they actually existed they were they were, they were real. exactly they were real kings and have descendants so yep there you go yes so um and where can our audience follow you at to keep up with what you got going on? Well, you can find me on Twitter, Art Davey. You can find me on isthislegalthebook.com. We have a website where the book is for sale, both as an e-book and as a hardback and as a personalized autograph copy. Uh, you can find me on Skype, UFC Creator One. 
on Instagram. I'm UFC Create. And I'm very excited about the fact that the script for Is This Legal, the movie, oh, has been done. Nice. Oh, very nice. The script is oh, yes. We're you better have a fight for me. <laughs> <laughs> We're very excited about that because uh, the two writers who completed the Brando script last year that Mark Silverman is going to be doing, wrote a tremendous script, a tremendous script. I brought them out to, uh, to Torrance last November, and we walked all the old neighborhood where the WOW office was, the Gracie Academy, where my was, and the ad agency that I worked at that was three blocks away from the academy. So they got a chance to see that whole world, and they spent a lot of time with me, and my producer is represented by William Morris Endeavor, that owns the UFC. Okay. So he's now bringing the actors and directors at William Morris. The writers are in UTA. Very excited about the fact that this will probably be greenlit by a studio in the next two or three months. And they'll go in front of the cameras, hopefully, before the end of this year. Nice. Very nice. Okay. Mariano, do you have anything else for art? So, you grew up in New York, didn't you? Yes. Okay. I grew up in Brooklyn, New York. But I came out to California in the 70s. And in 1995, after I sold a portion of the UFC to Semaphore, I moved out to Nevada. There's no taxes out here. Really? Are you serious? Yeah, there's no taxes. You have no federal, you all you have is a federal tax, but there's no state income tax. So having a corporation in Nevada, which I've had since 1995, has been, has been great. Okay. Nice. Looks like we lost Mariano. Yeah, I think we did lose Mariano. Well, um, it has been great having you on. Now, did you ever, like, study weapons or anything? I know that you said that you practiced, mar studied martial arts growing up, but never gotten a black belt. Well, I studied uh, I studied Taekwondo with June Ri in Washington D.C. Okay. And uh, I studied I did I was at a Muay Thai uh, program in Studio City in the early 90s, and then in 1991 I uh, started at the Gracie Academy and finally got a blue belt. But I never studied weapons unless you want to uh, take into account the M1, the M14, and the M16 and the 45 that I I was trained on in the Marine Corps. Okay. Okay. <laughs> There you go. See, I, for me, I know nothing about the guns, but, you know, I can swing a couple pairs of checks. <laughs> so. As you said, you're good with both of them. Yes, two pairs at once. Yep. That's my, that's my concentrate, you know, I, I, I just, I get into that zone. You just get into that zone. That's good. And it's, uh, it's like meditation or a kata, you know. So, absolutely. Well, it's... It's been great having you on. We finally got Skype to work. I, I know for most people, they may be saying, well, it looks different. Um, we're, we usually use Zoom, but today we're using Skype. And, uh, you know, we got to do what we got to do, right? You bet. So. I was a pleasure to be with you and Mariano, and I really enjoyed it. I want to thank Me you. Me too. And, and for anybody, um, you can actually go to anewpodcast.com, and I've linked your bio page with your social media and where they can get your book too. Thank you very much. You're I appreciate welcome. that. You're welcome. And um, I'll go ahead and upload this to the bio page okay. and it'll be downloadable too. 
Sounds good. And this is Thank you so much, Don. Thanks, Art. I appreciate it. Okay. Take care, my friend. You too.